Hello my lovely, this is Meike Thang, and before we jump into today's amazing episode, I want to let you know that all of this is brought to you by my Ultimate Podcast Guesting Workshop Series. This is something that you might want to look into if you want the A to Z process on how you can book yourself on a line podcast as a guest expert in order to expand your reach to new audiences, grow your email list, and deepen business relationships with fellow leaders as well. And all of this by not having to send a ton of pitches in the process or needing to outsource to an external PR agency. So is this something that you're interested in learning more about? Head on over to the show notes or you can head straight to makeathang.com forward slash UPG to find out if this is a right fit for you. And I recently just added a video widget in the bottom right hand corner. So if you are stuck or if you do have a question that's not quite clear on the invitation page, you can send me a direct message. Please be sure to leave your name and email after your question as well and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. All right, that's it from me. Now let's get back to the episode. Hello, my lovelies. This is Meike Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. I am super excited for today's guest on the show today because I've always been curious about a an element in my business where I can actually give back in a sustainable way, but I've always been confused around the questions about when do I start doing that? How much do I give? And like, where do I even begin to choose and all of that stuff? And one of my very, very dear friends and his in the online space has been doing this for such a long time. And I brought her especially on to talk about this process about incorporating giving back into our businesses in a sustainable way. And she's done it through her signature summit system. So please join me in welcoming the wonderful Marisa Corcoran. Hey, Marisa. Hi, Mayte. Thank you so much. This is this is a this is a treat to be in your space and speaking, you know, with your community and your listeners. So, thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And I have to like just give you just take a moment to compliment you here because um when I receive invitations to speak on various masterclass series or summits, I know immediately if they've been trained by you. <laughs> it's like my I wet can... bandits, it's like you know, in Home Alone, it's like my signature, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, it, like, yeah. it's called the signature summit system for a reason. Yeah, it is because... called the signature summit system. <laughs> yes, and I I see your signature all the way through, and it's not it's not about the copy, even though I know that's your specialty as a copy mentor, but it's just the delivery, it's the invitation, it's the elements of collaboration that is infused through every communication piece. I immediately, yep, this person has worked with Marisa before. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Yes, there's such a, you know, and when we do the pitch process, I will go into someone's kind of Google Doc where they're doing it and I will get like hyper grant, like granular Mm -hmm. and people will be like, oh, really? That specific that? I'm like, yes, yes, yes. It really matters. People will notice. It does make a difference. And then it's beautiful to watch people start to do it naturally. I always ask for them to send me like two pitches. I review those. And then I send them away to like edit and bring them back. And then I'd like to see another one. So when they start to kind of naturally do it, it's really awesome to see them start to infuse that for themselves, that specificity and that level of connection when they're pitching, because we just don't, you don't see it enough. You think you would by now, because so Mm. many people talk about, Hey, be specific, let someone know what you love about them, do your research. And still I will receive pitches where I think, gosh, they must've 
I feel like everyone says this, but I guess we got to keep repeating ourselves. Oh, yes. One hundred percent. And what you just said about the level of specificity, I also go to that degree when I when I'm teaching my clients about podcast pitching. Podcasters know immediately if um, you are copying pasting something on something super generic that can come across as specific. But um, you know, we know immediately. So I love that you go to that granular level of detail. And it's not just in the pitch, it's actually the whole experience. When I when I am speaking on a summit with someone who you've worked with. I, I can tell like in, in the communication, like um, everything is just super simple. And I love your, like one of your signature sayings is like, so that you can show up and shine and you absolutely like that absolutely follows through the entire process. So oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Of course. So before we actually get into the the bigger part of the conversation about giving back into business, how the whole signature summit system came to be, I would love to just like take a step back and kind of like for, for those who don't know you yet, which I don't know how <laughs> that is the case, but you know, Hey, we're, we're always open here. Um, I would love for you to share just a bit more about what you do. So I, I briefly mentioned that you're a copy mentor and you have in a brilliant program called the Copy Confidence Society. So could you just like tell us a bit about what you do and how you kind of got there? Yeah. So I always say that, you know, copy, a lot of times people will think copy is the icing on the cake you know, oh, I have to figure out this in my business first, or I have to do this, and then I'll worry about the copy. And I always say copy isn't the icing on the cake. It is the cake. It's mm-hmm. the butter. It's the gluten-free flour, if you're like me. <laughs> it's the <laughs> eggs, right? It's how it's how these things start to come alive in your business. If you want to sell it with integrity in a way that feels good, you want to call in the right people to sell to, we know this as lead generation, then you have to know what to say and how to say it for those other two things to happen. And so that's what we do inside of our signature program, the Copy Confidence Society. And then as we kind of mentioned, the other part of, is I always say, once you message it, you can market it. And then we show you how to take that message and bring your genius to the wider world by creating your own stage and bringing mm-hmm. people to you with a signature summit. So you're not relying on social media. You're not even relying on referrals. You're bringing people to you and creating rockstar connections. You're becoming a rising tide that lifts all boats, which is something we're going to talk about. And both of these things really come from, so my background, is, I, I was an actor. I got my MFA in acting from the American Repertory Theater at Harvard. And I realized when I got back to New York, after I graduated, you know, it's like every Harvard grad does. I had like four different jobs. It's not what normal Harvard grads, but Harvard actor grads. I had all these these different jobs. I nannied for a family. I worked for a doctor's office. I was a cocktail waitress on a rooftop. I mean, I was running all over the city. My friends were always surprised. Like, I mean, yes, I lived there for 10 years, but people are like, how do you know about this spot or this place or this? I was like, I spent my 20s and my early 30s running around this place like a wild <laughs> person. I was all over it, all these different jobs. And uh, at, that, at that time, my really, really good friend, Diana, was in this, I put the quote, someone to me in this mastermind online. She was a, mm. a parenting coach and this is 2013. So the internet was kind of like the wild, west, like the online world, <laughs> the wild west, you know? Yeah. And she was like, people need help in here writing for their websites and stuff. You'd be really good at this. Cause I had a little bit of a writing background and uh, an undergrad. So I said, okay, if eventually I didn't have to have all these other jobs, let me, let me try. And I kind of failed my way forward. Sometimes I'd hit it out of the park with a coffee job. Other times I didn't. But what I started to notice was that everything that makes you a star on stage, what you do as an actor to craft a role to really stand out in a performance is the same things that you do inside of your business with copy. Like, you know, on stage, you and I might be in a scene together, May Kay, and, you know, you're my scene partner. Okay, so what do I want to get from you in the scene? What's my intention? And what are the different tactics? What are the ways that I'm going to do it? And so if you think about it's the same thing, if you're sitting down to write an email, your scene partner is your reader and you go, okay, what do I hope the reader takes away from this? What do I want them to do? How do I want them to feel? And what are the different tactics I'm going to use to get there? That's where your personality comes in. Are we going to tell a story? Do we have a clear takeaway? Do we, are we telling them what to do next? It's very similar to what you do as an actor. So I found that that worked there. And then on the other side, a lot of my friends, so I was one of 16 people in my class. Um, and my classes, I think I can say, I think we're like the most successful class from the ART or just a powerhouse crew. And I think what makes our crew so great is that a lot of 
this crew created their own stage. They created their own work mm. and that brought people to them. And I couldn't do it as an actor. I had my own uh, trauma around, like I had to let go of that in my life. But I realized, okay, if this is what actors are doing to get known, we could do the same thing here. And that's when I created my own stage in the fall of 2018, which is the copy chat, my signature summit. And that premiered in February of 2019. And here we are at the time of this recording in the middle of season seven of the copy chat. So I created my own stage to bring people to me, showing people this very specific framework I had, like this actor's guide to copy. I kept repeating both of those things, copy chat, copy confidence society, copy chat, copy confidence society. And so this fall will be our 10th time launching the society, really using the same principles that performers and artists use what on stage and off stage to get known. It's like a double sword, a double it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Thank you so much. So <laughs> she's a copywriter, folks. She's a copywriter. <laughs> she's great with words. Um, but yes, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh gosh, that is that's so interesting that you were able to see copy through the lens of what it's like to act on the stage with a scene partner. I see it all like when, when you started describing it, oh, that makes so much sense. And um, I love that you were able to bring it into the copy space and Something that's really uh, that was really interesting to me when because like I, I've been a I've been around an online space I think for the last five five years full time seven seven years in total and I've seen a lot of summits pop up over over time and I love how you just like you made a very different shift and I think what really pulled me towards yours because I was there from the very beginning when you did the copy chat I remember your yeah. very first one wow. um, and I've been following along um, like ever since ever since we uh, connected in our, in our mastermind as well yeah. which was awesome and what was very different about yours isn't just the personalization but I was so taken aback in the best way possible when I saw that all of the proceeds from the like the VIP passes that you'd sell that the copy the copy kit that you'd sell so that folks could um, continue to listen to all of the interviews and things is that you gave it all away to charity. And I thought, oh, okay, this is different. And I love that when you told the story of when you made this decision and how all the speakers were completely on board with doing this as well. And I thought, wow, this is definitely what makes it different from any other summit that I've seen. And I just would love to know what inspired you to not only create your own stage this way, but to also kind of dedicate it all to giving back. Hmm. So in terms of, you know, creating, you know, my own stage, you know, I always say that Winnie the Pooh broke me. I had this audition for Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Oh my goodness. I need to watch that again. There was a really uh, well-known theater in, in America um, that a friend of mine said, you know, if you can get in on it, I really wanted to do theater. Theater was my love. I yeah, know it's what I absolutely, when I was in Boston, I got the chance to perform on the main stage in my second year, um, which you didn't always get the opportunity to do. And I just wanted to be on stage forever. I remember like the Boston Globe reviewed this performance I did and said I was superb. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just <laughs> want to keep doing this and have the Boston Globe write about me. Um, and so mm-hmm. being on stage was what I really wanted to do. And so a friend of mine was like, if you can get in in this theater, you get a lot of work. So get in on a children's show. It's like Shakespeare in the park level children's mm. show. And it's a gateway to all these other opportunities. So I was auditioning for the character of rabbit. I worked really, really hard on the character of rabbit. I decided that rabbit would um, wear overalls. That rabbit would be like this sassy cross between Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny and this Italian stand-up comic named Sebastian Maniscalco. Like I talk about intention. I had intention. I had beats, <laughs> I had tactics. And that Monday morning, I'll never forget, I got a call saying there had been a mix-up in my equity in my union status, and they didn't need me to come in for the audition. And I just remember standing in our kitchen making, and I just started taking my overalls one by one and off one by one until I was just standing naked in the kitchen. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I felt like my fate was always in the hands of someone else. Mm-hmm. And I knew there was so much I wanted to do and had to say. Um, and that was really the change for me. And I said, okay, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And then that's when I kind of woke up a couple months later and I was writing for my clients. I was very blessed to have private clients at that time. But I remember being like, okay, so what am I going to do now? And that's where I kind of remembered, okay, the creating your own stage. I had written for a lot of summits. I'd been a copywriter for a lot of summits. So I saw the power of it in action. And I thought, okay, I, this is my plan B, but there could be no plan C. 
And I'm going to create that stage and bring people to me in the way that I always hoped I could as an actor. So that was really what that thing was growing my, and it did so many things for me on a number, you know, a group. When I first started, I had 75 people on my email list. After the first year of the copy chat, I had 5,000 people. I went from making 50,000 on my best year as a copywriter. And I don't even know if that was 2018 when I did my business insider article, we talked about that it was then, but when I look back, I'm like, was that even my best year that year? I don't even know. But the following year in 2019, I went from making about 50K to $250,000 in like that wow. one year. And now I've made you know $2 million in revenue. We've never spent a dime on paid advertising. And it's all through this creating your own stage. And one of the things that when I was an actor, May Kay, that I always loved that I was great at was like, I was a great actor. And there are things I know I was really fantastic at. But what I was even better at was creating the connections, like in the room with people. Like when I would walk into the audition, like I was friends with everyone that was the backstage people. I was friends with hair and makeup. I was like, I loved the community, like the family feel of it. And I remember just being like, okay, well, when I'm a famous actor one day, I can like have my own platform and give away money. Like I, that was always a value of mine. Um, I grew up with a single mom. And my mom, my father died when I was two years old and my mom ran a senior center for in Syracuse, New York, where I grew up. Uh, but this is not a typical senior center that we would think of like our, our grandparents where it's what we might think of. This was in downtown Syracuse. So it was a lot of seniors that were dealing with PTSD from World War II, from the Korean War. Um, these were people that were homeless, that were dealing with drug addiction. This is the people that I grew up with. This is my life. My mother ran the center for 25 years. And so this was my childhood was there on Saturday mornings, making sandwiches on snow days, on school days. Like these are my people. These are my people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I actually remember one of my absolute favorite people at the center. um, When I actually applied to Harvard, I wrote about her in my essay was when I was a kid, I had this, this, her name was Patty. And she would always be in the center. She wasn't a senior. She was, she was younger actually. And I remember she was always there and she would help me this one summer. We like made these little Syracuse university cheerleader dolls together. We like made them out of like yarn from the craft store that was in the front of the center. There was a little craft shop. And I always remember she was so kind to me. And like years later, I was a teenager and I said to my mom, I'm like, mom, why was Patty in the center all the time? Like she wasn't a senior citizen. She was an older Mm -hmm. person. And my mom said, Oh, you know, Patty was a, was a, was a prostitute. And, and I would let Patty come into the center during the day so she could rest and relax and eat and hang out. And I realized that this person I spent most of my childhood with. And so it just gave me a different perspective. And so I wanted to always give back and do that. So for the copy chat, it was like, okay, it's free to listen into the series. People will usually sell an all access pass that you buy. And the pass is bananas. Awesome. Like we give you lifetime access to the interviews this season, make a, you generously donated things that normally you might charge for. So we have like a couple other extra copy bonus bundles. There's two live workshops, one with me, an AI workshop with Justin Blackman. I mean, it's incredible what you get. And then we donate every penny to charity and we've raised over a hundred thousand dollars for charity um, with a 27 to $57 upgrade. We sell it for $27 before the series starts. When the series starts, we raise it to 57 And we've been able to give back to organizations that really kind of go back to my life growing up in the center. So the very first organization that we partnered with was the Headstrong Project, which helps military vets with the mental health care that they need and deserve. One of the things I saw as a child was military vets, older military vets being impacted by PTSD and by trauma that they had experienced in the military. And I watched that as a child. So I wanted to be able to give back um, for a vet's mental health care. Uh, another organization that we've given to, we raised $13,000 for them two summers ago is Sage USA, which is an organization that supports, gives services and advocacy to LGBTQ plus elders, which is also something I watched in the center. There was a man named, this is what I wrote about that year. There was a man named Francis who used to always come into the center who, you know, really didn't have family. Once he had come out, he was, he was older now. He was, he was a, a single guy. He didn't really have a family. And my mom kind of became his daughter, he was at the center all the time. And when he passed away at a hospice care, it was my mother who was with him and my mother who gave his eulogy. So I wanted to honor somebody like Francis, that as you age, as these elders, these pioneers of pride, who've been fighting for all of our rights, 
to like support them as they age. So it really, all the charities that I've really chosen really go back to my mom in this time of what my childhood was growing up in the center, you know, like there's always this thing in Syracuse called light up Syracuse. It's the where they light up the Christmas tree. And that was my favorite because I would busk outside with some of the homeless guys and I would sing acapella or they would play and I put my hat down and I'd make money. Like this was my childhood. So I wanted to be able to like, yes, you can help your copy, but we get to help humans in the process. Mm-hmm. And the online world is primed to do this. We're primed to do this in big and small ways. You're primed to be able to give. I just told you I made $2 million in revenue. So you can still make a, I don't know if I can swear here, maybe I'll say you can make a shit ton of money and still give back. I just told you we've given over a hundred thousand dollars to charity. So both are possible while creating community and doing, and again, being that rising tide that lifts all boats. Oh, it's just so beautiful to hear that all of the charities that you've chosen so far, they connect back to a very distinctive story and memory that you have in your childhood. I I think that's just so wonderful because I was always curious, um, like, oh, I I wonder like where this came from. And those, wow. and now that I know, it, <laughs> yeah, it's from your mom and like your childhood experiences, which um sounds like it. You had a lot of um different lenses that you were able to see life through from such a young age, and that's clearly informed the way that you do business and just the way that you're giving back. And I just, I'm absolutely just like honored to know you, um, and just to just hear all of this behind the scenes of what actually goes on. And thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really funny, you know, just thinking lately too, even for me to make that connection, because you know, sometimes we're doing things in our lives and then it's not till someone asks you, like you asking me or recently someone else had asked me. And then I said, oh, I really think this goes back to this time, you know, growing up with, um, with my mom, you know, mm-hmm. and watching what she did and the impact that she, um, that she made. And like you said, make a, when you see different lenses and different lived experiences, how can you bring a voice to that and bring awareness to that? Because I think it's really important that we're putting our money where our beliefs are. And as a business owner, we're making our values and what we stand for crystal clear. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I was actually just speaking to a couple of um, peers of mine. Uh, we're doing our own little collaboration. And one of the conversation pieces that came up was how conscious folks are these days about what they buy and it's who they buy it from and whether or not they're in integrity and are they in alignment with their values and all of that. And sometimes it's best to show and not tell, <laughs> uh, you know, literally living through the actions um, that that you take and people do really take notice of that. And it's something that I noticed about you from very early on, ever since you started the copy chat. So it's just really lovely to hear the behind the scenes of all of that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So something else that I've um, always wanted to ask. So now that I, I know and now our audience knows like how you started picking these charities, um, I think one of the biggest questions I've personally always had is when am I ready to give back? Mm-hmm. What position do I need to be in in order for it to be sustainable? Because anybody can give back at any time. But what's always been key with me is sustainability because I've always wanted to do things more ongoing as opposed to like a big sum and then stop sort of thing so I'm curious about your thoughts on that like when did you feel that you were ready like what position were you in in your business where you could pretty much afford to give all of the proceeds away I think that's a really important question good question (laughs) I don't know if I have the best I think for me Okay, I'm gonna kind of verbally process this out. Wait, did you have an answer for this already? But I, let me say this, and then I'm gonna say something else completely different. Okay. okay. First off, for me personally, this is me, so I'm always available to be wrong. Take it or leave it. I never looked at things of like, oh, and and can I afford to to do this? I've had my own. I've had to heal my relationship with money quite deeply. I talk very much about my incredible financial coach, Amber Duggar, who's helped me do that in practical and beautiful ways. I had a lot of money. And when you're raised by a single mother, I saw my mother, I saw my grandmother struggle with money. I saw my mother struggle with money. I found myself in the same position, staring at my husband, like how the heck did this happen? How am I in the same position? So I 100% have had my own, but something that I think I was able to see, or I continue to see 
is that anytime something that Amber taught me, I want to give her credit here, is that money comes from the word currency, which comes from the word current, which means like a current money flows in and money flows out. Mm -hmm. And if you can really truly believe that, that money flows in and money flows out, I know that by giving back to the charity, that current will come back to me. I may not know in what ways, but it will come back to me. And that's how I think of investments or anything that I've ever done. I'm really clear on, I may not know exactly, but I'm clear that there's going to be a currency that if I put the money out, something's going to, I might not know exactly how it is, but I know that something's going to come back in. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was just at a time where I kind of thought back to myself as an actor. So it was like around the third season of the copy chat was like, okay, we've done this. This is working. This is great. Oh my gosh. One of my biggest things as an actor is I always wanted like my own foundation and give back money and like honor my mom and the work that she did. Okay. Let's do it. And let's see. And that's where I'm, I'm very spontaneous in that way. Like I just decide something and like, I'll have this, anyone's into human design. Like I'm a sacral manifesting generator. So like when I know, I know. And I was like, okay, we're doing it. You know, even if I, even if it could crash and burn, I just feel like in my guts, but something that I talk about with my clients is all the different ways that you can start. So even within your, let's say you have a one-to-one client roster, even within that thinking in small ways, could it be taking your roster that year and deciding a small percentage that you could give back that you could afford and then emailing those one-to-one clients and having them. So something that we do in the copy confidence society, because we also donate money. So we give 5% of total sales every round of the copy confidence society to a charity that the group picks together. So for the copy chat, I'm picking, but for copy confidence society, I present them with a couple of options and they vote. So they're very much included in that as well. So that's something you could do with your one-to-one clients Mm. come up with, even if at the end of the year, you were like, okay, I'm going to take $500 and I'm going to donate this to a charity that my one-to-one clients choose. Because we have to remember fundraising has changed since COVID. The way that people are doing fundraising, it's just different now. Someone gets sick or someone has COVID, like the gala is canceled. So it's just different now. So all, all the things that we think are going to make a big difference, they do make it, they do make a, um, a difference. You may have a group program or course, like I just said. So every round we let people know we're going to donate 5% of the total sales. You could say a charity or an organization, or you could choose that's something that you could do. And it's that 5% of whatever the total is. So if the total is only, I'm just making this up, I don't know, $20,000, just beautiful. You could take, you know, and then I'm like, can I do my own math? Two times five is 10, a thousand dollars. I'm not, I'm not good at math at all. Um, I went to Harvard for acting. Okay. Let's, let's <laughs> not get it twisted. Um, so you could take that and that's a beautiful donation that you can make. So I think that people, you, you can think of it in these smaller uh, to bigger ways. And then when I do my summit, the signature summit with clients, they agree to do their all access pass to charity. And we've seen people donate anywhere from 2000 all the way to 15,000. And all of those are be- is beautiful. So there's all these kind of small little ways. You could also just say at the end of your own year, look at your say and say, okay, I want to take an X amount of my revenue and donate that and let your, com- or don't let your community know if you, you know, and, you know, let people know this is what you're donating to. And that could be on your website to say, hey, at the end of each year, I take X amount of revenue and I donate to causes like this. Mm-hmm. So there's so many small and bigger ways that you can that you can give back. Mm-hmm. Every little counts. Right? It really, really does. I mean, it ad- it adds it adds up. So like the organization um, for this uh season of the copy chat is for suicide prevention, which I know, as I say, that is a very, um, is a difficult topic and I know it can be triggering. So I always, you know, say, if you need to take a pause or, uh, you know, a second, like always take care of yourself, but you know, this is a, a cause that was near and dear to my heart and can be really underfunded. Like the talk around mental wellness and the advocacy and essential tools to support people, to be able to help those with suicide ideation and affect communities that have been impacted by suicide. So I'm a part of a community. I just spoke a little bit earlier about my friend, Diana, who was the person who, you know, catapulted me into this career. And I lost died to suicide two years ago. And um, so 
to, to watch a vibrant, beautiful person, um, to lose them in this way. I think we're just, we're just tip of the iceberg about what mental wellness actually looks like. And so it's such an important underfund, underfunded place. So if we can give to them and support people, it's just so beautiful. And at the same time, you're helping, again, the kit is amazing. You're helping your coffee, you're doing all these great things, but we're really making an impact. And I'm personally impacted by that, by working with this organization. Uh, it has helped me through my grief. And I know it's helped, you know, Dai's family and Dai's friends that have been working with this organization or, you know, you know, being part of it. It's it's helped me tremendously in my own healing and my own grief during the past two years. Yes. Oh gosh. And I'll, thank you for uh, just taking a moment. I'll be sure to pop a trigger warning um, at the beginning of this episode um, for those who may find it a, a challenging topic to tune into. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I, I remember when you shared, uh, when you invited me as a guest to be on the coffee chat this season for season seven, when I saw which charity you're going for, like it was a yes already. But when I saw this charity, I thought, oh, okay, that definitely hits home. And it just goes to show once again that I've always felt a sense of guilt whenever, um, because when you walk down the streets in the UK, um, there are often folks who are representatives of certain charities. And I'd always feel guilt if I didn't give back to every single one. And then I also had to come to the realization for myself that if I'm giving from a place of guilt, it's not truly giving, <laughs> you know? And um, you've when you find the causes that actually are the most near and dear to you, then it's really going to count, you know? And I think one of the things that um, I also do with my own clients when I talk about which groups you're advocating for, um, like uh, there will be like this deconstructed social identity bill and then we'll do a process and exercise around it. And then I can see the looks on some of my clients' faces like, oh, I should be doing all of them. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you cannot do all of them all at once. Just do it layer by layer. And you're naturally going to gravitate towards the things that hold the most meaning for you whether it's a group you personally represent or someone you really care about who needs to needs more recognition and more um folks to advocate for them like those are the causes that are really going to drive you to keep doing it because it's coming from a sustainable place and you've always chosen from that place as well where there's a near and dear story to you that's driven your reason why and i think that's beautiful yes. Yes, a hundred percent. We'll still get emails in where people say, Oh my gosh, I remember the story that you told, you know, about your mom's friend who suffered from PTSD as a military vet. It's what made me want to be part of that season or people who still write to me and say, Oh my gosh, I loved learning about Francis and the work that Sage does. And this season, of course, I've had so many people reach out about Di and, 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 and mention her. And I think I so agree with you, May because this is something I talk with my summit clients about. For many of my summit clients, I tell them, keep the same charity every season. Like you can do such massive work for an organization that you care about season after season. Can you imagine if you keep doing that? Like I'm, I'm, I'm always such a fan of like, you know, my whole business has been built on the coffee chat, coffee confidence society, coffee chat. So I'm such an advocate for one thing that you really care about and just keep going deeper and deeper and, you know, making it even better and working closely with that organization and finding out exactly where the money goes and being able to kind of report back that data. I mean, that's so beautiful, especially as when I'm training people with the signature summit system, it's my goal that you will, you know, we have people that are doing their third, fourth season of their summit. So the ROI is just tremendous. And then if you pair that, if you were to work with the same charity, you can make such a difference financially for a cause that you believe in. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And um, you can I can I share what um what my action steps going to be after this now? <laughs> my gosh, please, yes, of course. So I've always um so with my co-working cove where um it's like a digital co-working space, and we really work on a lunar calendar instead of like your um like normally you would say like oh every session is on Tuesday at whatever time, but like the time slightly shifts every single month in accordance to the lunar cycle, and it's all ocean themed and one of the aspects I did want to incorporate is global giving. And so uh, when we reach um, a certain founding members state, um, I think 50 founding members is our number. And uh, we're actually like nearly half, we're, 
we're over halfway there. But when we reach 50, that is when I'm going to collectively um, pull in everybody to see like which charity we can give back to. And my ultimate vision for this is to give back to charity so much that whichever organization we're donating to would actually open up a couple of spaces where they invite me and a handful of volunteers to go over and actually do the work as well. Like that is oh, something so beautiful. like, um, I don't know, like a beach cleanup or doing snorkeling yes. and picking up trash or whatever it is. Um, yes. That is actually like my big vision there. But as, as well as that, um, I was speaking to a couple of peers of mine about the real reason why I do, why I teach podcast guesting the way that I do. And I briefly mentioned it on our interview on the copy chat this season as well. That is all about advocacy and having agency over who you're affiliating with, because when you have a middle person, like a PR agent, which can work for some folks, just not all, um, you don't always have a choice over who you're being pitched to or how you're being pitched. And it broke my heart when I saw the pitches that came through from these agencies and the clients they're representing. And I thought to myself, it's going to be so tough um you know for them to really communicate their brilliance because there's a lack of specificity um, and personalization towards it all and I thought okay what if there was also an option to not need a middle person either if you're not in a position to or you just simply don't want to and you simply want to represent yourself and actually advocate for everything that you stand for and who you represent in the process and it was a it's like this big spiel (laughs) that I had um you know and it just really inspired me now because I'm going to be raising the price for my podcast guesting workshop series um, later on this year. And now it makes so much sense for me to incorporate that giving back right there. So when people join, because of the reason why I do it in the first place, I would love to give back to especially um, LGBTQIA plus charities um, because there's just so much turmoil um, and so much conflict around these human rights issues and it it personally hits close to home myself being on the spectrum as well and so I just want to say thank you for actually like I think that's been secretly brewing without my realizing (laughs) I I can't wait to see it come to life oh yes I will definitely be telling you like when it it comes to life (laughs) I want to know everything I'm going to be waiting patiently yeah and I think that's that's what's so beautiful is to watch people really find you know one of our signature summit clients um I actually saw her in New York back when I was there in June. And she was saying to me, you know, Marisa, I don't worry about lead generation anymore, audience growth. She's like, because I know my signature summit will bring it in. And she was saying the most thing she was excited about this fall was to do season three of her summit. And this was something that, you know, had been a gateway for her for an $87,000 launch that she had into her own business. She, her first season brought in about uh, 1,300 listeners, 13, 1,400 listeners. Then second season, she had 2,500 listeners. And in her second season, so again, she's bringing in things like $87,000 launches, bringing in these new people. And her second season, she was able to raise $15,000 for an organization that she really, really loved and can bring to life and really make a difference for them. And so watching people uncover what those causes are for them, it's just a really beautiful part of the of, of the process. And again, again, goes back to that idea of what Amber, we would talk, what I've talked about with Amber is like that money flows in and money flows out. And just coming from that space of how you can true, I guess another water reference, like how you can be <laughs> that rising tide that lifts all boats, right? How do you really um do that and trust? And everything we do in the process, like I'm not just saying, oh, trust and the money will come. I also understand like that whole world, like, is, you know, we're just going to manifest our way to what I'm like, okay, that she takes work. So what we talk about in the signature summit system is every single step is done with intention to ensure that the goals that you have, you know, we can work as closely as we can to bring those to life in terms of what you want for audience, what you want this, we call it like your purchasing pathway, what you want it to sell into what the charity aspect looks like. So everything is done with intention that then you can take the model, like my client that I just shared and do it even better. Like this person's second season was even better than their first season and take that and, you know, start to show how summits can be done in this really beautiful way. Cause it is the most, I will like, you know, die on the cross of like the most beautiful way to grow your audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past has not always been done in the best way. And that's really like one of my missions is to just really transform the way that it's 
the way that it's done. And I think watching my clients do it, do it so well, is really cool to see like out in the wild, you know, Mm. it's really cool. Oh, you just piqued my interest just now when you said like in the past, it's not always been done the best way. What did you mean by that? Oh my gosh. How much time (laughs) do we have? So summits have been pretty (laughs) shitty in the past. Um, So, you know, a lot of times what you see of a summit is like what I got really fed up with, with summits, because you have to remember, like I said, I was writing for a lot of summits. So I, Mm. I I was behind the scenes. Mm. So there's three things that bothered me about summits is that most summits are going to have 30, 20, 30, 40 people plus. And I get why, by the way, because you want to bring in the list. You want, mm-hmm. you, you want to grow your audience. A summit is work, right? Mm-hmm. When I say the first time you put on your summit, it's going to feel like you're doing a Broadway show. The mm-hmm. beautiful part about it is then once you do season two, season three, like I'm using the same opt-in page for season seven of the copy chat, same exact opt-in page that I used in season one. And this season it converted at 58%. Wow. So it works. You know what I mean? So you get to repeat and repurpose a hundred percent, but you still got to put it together that first time. Right. So I understand why we want that. But when you have 30, 40, 50 people, that's not actually beneficial for the listeners. That's Mm. so overwhelming for the listeners. It's just like more shit they think they need to do. And they're not actually making changes. It's not good for you, the creator or the host, because it's hard to really have your voice stand out Mm -hmm. and like people experience you. And it's not great for the speakers that you ask, because if they're not in like the first few days, they're not going to actually reap that ROI either. So Mm -hmm. the signature summit system I created was like, can we get similar results and cut the speaker lineup in half to 10? And we have, we've shown that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is a lot of times there, if you're getting pitched for a summit, someone's going to pitch you in a way that is not good and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm a huge fan of your work. Let me tell you everything about me. And do you have 5,000 people on your email list? Oh yeah. I've gotten those before. <laughs> of course you have. Yeah. Which is, you know what I mean? Again, I also understand why they're asking this because if you add it up, this is going to help bring the list. So something that I do in the signature summit system is yes, we do want to have people that have a list of 5,000 or more, but when we pitch people, we know already where they're going to fit. So when I ask you your list size, that to me is so that I can calculate for the charity and for what we're bringing in. What you tell me is not going to change whether or not I have you part of it. Cause I already know before I got on the call, what bucket you're fitting into. Mm-hmm. So that so that was an issue that we changed along with that is what happens when you have that kind of requirement is what starts to happen is that which is kind of goes into my third thing is that now all you're really seeing on a summit is the same people over and over again which for a very long time tend to be the same white people and this is actually not representative of the online world that we're living in and like yes i worked my butt off to create the copy chat i worked my butt off But I also cannot deny my own privilege as a white, cisgendered, able-bodied, thin woman. I cannot deny that. So if I really say that I want to be somebody who is that rising tide that lifts all boats, we need to actually start having people, uh, speakers that are representative of the communities that are actually making up this online space. So that I actually was just listening to this great interview where Viola Davis was talking about how much she loved Cicely Tyson growing up, because yes, she could see other great actors you know, uh, people identified as women that were actors, but it was another thing to see Cicely Tyson, to see somebody that looked like her. And she said it was like a portal. It was this Mm. portal. So how do we do that for people in the online space? If every summit you're seeing is just white people. So in the signature summit system, you agree that in the same for copy chat, that 50% or more of your speakers are from marginalized communities. Um, And every step of the way, not just having them to have them is also done with intention too. Mm. So we're just actually representing the world that we're living in, in a, in a a more beautiful way. And I'm not saying that. And the other thing when it comes to list size is I'm not saying that you can't find somebody who's from a marginalized community and they can't also be what we call a heavy hitter and have that bigger list. Of course, of course, but you don't get too deep into this work before you start to see how much harder somebody from a marginalized community has to work to become that heavy hitter. Yes. It's it just was easier for me, period. And that's okay. So now how do we start to shift it? And it's also my goal that not just that it's 50% or more a speaker lineup, but that more members of marginalized communities will create their own summit to be that portal, to create their own stage and say, no, now you're in my world. Now like I'm inviting you to come into my space. That's really where we'll start to see that shift. Um, 
So it's like two ways. This is like my summit manifesto. I'm going <laughs> to hop off my soapbox now, but you know, I love it. Is, right? Because summits are going to work. They're going to grow your audience. They're foolproof in that way. It just, it's true. But how are we doing it with integrity, creating rock star connections with the speakers? You know, I feel like every season I create such beautiful relationships with people that go on to be friends, like you and I here in this moment, May Kay, and like just really thinking about it from that place that we can't do if the old kind of summit requirements are put on it. Mm, yes, it, it sounds like what what I love there is um, it feels unconditional. So when you said to me, it's like, oh, regardless of the list size, like I reached out knowing that I'd love to have you anyway, sort of thing, because it, that was always very off-putting for me when when I received those invitations from someone. It's like, oh, it's like, we'd love to have you so long as you have this or that. And I'm like, so Ooh. long as, exactly, okay, <laughs> so long as, and it's like, how do we do this better, you know? And we can, and we've still seen it. I mean, this season we have 2,000 listeners signed up. We're already, we're not done yet. Um, we raised 10,000 for charity. I'm trying to get to 15,000. I mean, beautiful. We have a great lineup of speakers, 50% or more representative of marginalized communities. We have a beautiful mix of heavy hitters, people with smaller lists, people, and we're doing it. It's possible. So this, uh, this question, it did come up recently for me, and I wasn't sure whether to ask it, but I feel that you would know how to kind of like navigate this question so (laughs) so when you say about so I had a conversation with another woman of color um Mm -hmm. about what it's like to be chosen um on these uh on these summits and she told me how oftentimes it felt like she was being tokenized Mm -hmm. and I told her that there is a term called um, positive discrimination when they mean well but there's still harm done because of the primary reason as to why we're chosen. So when you say that your speaker lineup is um, 50% or more um, from marginalized communities, I'm curious about what your thought process is when it comes to the invitation, because it um, it is so common, especially in corporate spaces, but not exclusively in corporate spaces, to kind of like check off the DEI checkbox sort of thing so I'm I'm just like I'm so curious about your own thought process because because of how intentional you are and how you do everything with integrity and I've seen it through and through with everything you do whether it's a free thing or a pay thing like I still you know I think to myself no like Marisa is someone who I'd want to hear this answer from so I'm curious about your thought process on that if you're open to sharing at all yeah this is such a great question so let me first off say that I'm sure not sure I know I've tokenized in the past I know that I have. And I think that something that I've realized about, and I'm being, uh, right now I'm going through a process to become, to be certified as an equity uh, centered coach. Wow. And yeah, it's been such a beautiful process. And one of the things I have to, you know, understand for myself on this DEI journey, something that I had to realize, because I'm such a like, well, how do we make change? You know, I'm like the the white woman, like, how do we make change? And it's like, okay, you need to like, okay, stop. Like it, <laughs> it, and at, at first, like it was like, okay. So I say this to say this, which is what I had to realize was like this work, it's not a race, but it's not even a marathon. Like there is no ending to it. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're committed to it, you're committed to it. And along the way, you're going to mess up and you're going to fail. And it's like, we have to do better. We also can't be hindsight is 2020 where we keep making the same mistakes, obviously, but we move forward in the process. I say this to say that I know that I've tokenized in the past to directly answer your question. What I think something that I do and try to instill in my clients is regardless of who they are, before I even pitch people, I'm crafting my world around me and making it a point to follow different people, lived experiences And not just about DEI or other things, but about their zones of genius, whatever that zone of genius might be. And I'm starting to curate that, be involved in their world, join their email list, purchase from them, be in their sphere, shout them out. So that when I go to pitch people, this is whether they're from a marginalized community or not. Again, it's with that intention that it's like, I've been following, I know why they would be great. And this is something I try to instill in my summit clients is this is why I say, we're not going to throw up a summit tomorrow. 
It's like really first starting to make sure that you are practiced, that you're, that who you're following, what people that, what, who you're purchasing from, that you're creating that space for yourself. So that when we're pitching people, it's just that more of that intention. And I'm sure for many people, as they start this journey, it will, it, it, it will feel like, it will be. And I think for many people, that may be how it starts for them in order to then create that sphere, start to crack open their own circle. Um, I don't know if that's the best answer, but that's how I approach it. And I'm sure as I grow in my, you know, I'll learn even more and be even better at it. But I try to make sure for myself personally, for copy chat that I really know, you know, for example, there's a, there's a few people on this season that I've been shouting out their emails and my stories and talking about them. And, you know, so when I went to pitch them, it wasn't a cold, like they'd mm-hmm. never heard of me before you know? So every step of the way kind of with that intention. And I think if you have a conversation with somebody, if you're on an interest call for the summit and somebody from a marginalized community brings that up, I think it's important to be open and honest of like, yes, I'm really trying. If you are like a a white person having this conversation or not from a marginalized community, really being open and honest and saying, yes, this is a, a, a value I'm trying to cultivate. And this is where I'm where I'm starting. And I totally understand that that won't be in alignment for you. But this is something that I'm really hoping to expand upon. Here's the work that I'm doing. Here's my hope for this. And, and have an honest conversation about where you are in your journey. And let that person decide for them whether or not to, to say yes to be a part of it. But just to have more of those transparent conversations. Hmm. See, I knew you'd be fine answering this question. <laughs> okay, great. I'm done. <laughs> I think um, I think it's really important just to express where you're at, what your intention is, and also not be attached to the the outcome of of someone saying yes to you. I think that's just so important. And you know, even like as a woman of color myself, it doesn't mean that I'm exempt from tokenizing others as well. Because, and I think my own litmus test that I always go through myself when I'm thinking of inviting someone: Am I only inviting them? to talk about their lived experience as insert identity here or am I inviting them because of their expertise that's informed by their experience a hundred percent a hundred percent so when we're pitching for copy chat I'm trying to make like again that's what I meant by bringing people in for their zones of genius Hmm. yes now this season we do have um Tori Autumn who this interview hit people were ever obsessed and Tori is speaking about simple language swap outs that you can make to have be more inclusive in your copy. And actually something she talks about towards the end of the interview is how to start bringing in more diversity and having these conversations. And she gives some really great tips on how to do that if you're starting out in your journey, you know? Um, but when I'm calling people in, I'm calling you in to talk about your zone of genius, if Instagram reels, um, podcast pitch. Like I'm calling you in to talk about your zone of genius and making that that clear. So I love that you reinforce that to make it it's so important. Mm. Yes. And like all of us have work to do to varying degrees. And oh gosh, I just, always. yeah. And I just, I love how so willing you are to have those conversations up front. Like, like you wouldn't like tuck your tail between your legs, so to speak. It's like, no, let's, let's talk about it. And I'm okay with being wrong. And you know, what else can I learn? And I just, I just love that about you. So thank you for answering that question that I didn't intend on asking originally. <laughs> Thank you for asking it. I think it's really important. Yeah, brilliant. All right. So as we are starting to come to a close, we we talked about so much today. And I love that you just brought in so many different stories from different lenses and how it's really impacted and informed why you do the work you do today and how you go about doing it, like seeing the key mistakes or like where the, there's not a spotlight that's been shone onto a certain area before. And so if you, if someone who's listening right now is curious about where they can even get started with either creating their own stage or giving back, or maybe that can be like a two-part takeaway. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say to, you know, in terms of creating your own stage, I'd say to really think about what you want it to kind of go in, like what would you want it to ultimately, you know, bring you, like really be intentional about it. So saying, oh, maybe there's a specific program that you're trying to fill or you want to grow your audience, or you're wanting to have these deeper conversations about X, Y, or Z. Uh, something that we do in the Signature Summit system is we work backwards. We say, okay, what is our overall goal? And that will help you work backwards to saying what that stage might look like. 
It might be a summit. It might be a podcast. It might be having a masterclass that you do. So really saying, what are my goals for this? And then saying, what platform, like what stage is going to be best to call in that right person, you know, really working backwards. So kind of starting with that end in mind and work backwards. And for giving back is really starting to think about a cause that you believe in, something that is really near and dear to you. And I know for many of us, there's many things. I knew for me, it was, I want to do this. I want to do it. So picking one to start, I knew it was like, I knew I wanted to give back to military vets for their mental health care. I knew I wanted to do something with LGBTQ plus AI elders. It took me a little bit to find, like, I was like, who is doing this for senior citizens? Like, where are they? And I found Sage. Um, but I started with the Headstrong Project. Um, those were one of my things. And I was like, all right, let me just get started here. So then from there, like choosing one, and we talked about some of those ways, maybe this year, like we said, at the end of this year, you look at your revenue, you take a certain amount that feels doable for you, and you send it to that, to that charity. So really just taking a moment to think about like those causes that are important to you. Mm. I love that. And so for those who haven't followed you yet or have gotten on your email list where are all the links that we can come find you and don't worry about the url so for those of you who are listening i'll pop all the links that marisa shares in the show notes so you don't need to worry about jotting them down they'll all be clickable but yeah, yeah. So marisa, where can we come find you around the interwebs yeah so from a copy aspect and i know we didn't talk about that too much but if you're you know you're wanting to have support around you know your copy we talked about like that actor's guide like writing really great emails i always say that like you know, we can write these great emails, but if we don't have a great subject line, our emails won't get open. Um, so I created this really fun resource called the 50 plus scroll stopping subject lines, which gives you three, um, three formulas, one taken from Cosmo magazine. There's another one called the Darlene and Clark method. They're really like fun. And I always get responses from people. I actually, I, I threw a party for Laura Belgray back in June. And someone came up to me in the party and said, Marisa, I've been meaning to tell you, I still use your, I, I, when I'm writing emails, I have your 50 plus scroll stopping subject lines next to me. And I love using the, the third formula we're talking about, which I call the international man of mystery. And they were like, that's my favorite one to use. And I was like, oh, this, this is so cool. So, um, I know you'll put the URL in there, yes, but it's Marisa, it's marisacorker.com forward slash subject lines. Um, that's a great place to start to get involved in the copy world. Um, it'll prompt you if you want to join our free Facebook group, the copy chat, where we are talking about how to craft kick-ass copy that attracts clients, makes money, and even creates this massive movement online. If you're inside of that community, you'll know when the next season of the copy chat's coming out. We also talk about stuff in pop culture. I'm on a Taylor Swift kick right now. I became a Swifty three weeks ago. So I'm like a new, you know, when you're newbie, anything, you're like that annoying friend. I'm like the annoying person eat texting my friends, you know, like, where have I been? Who, how, why didn't you tell me? So we're talking about Taylor Swift right now in the group. Um, and then on the, the summit side, or even on any other side is coming on over to Instagram um, at mtony, M-T-O-N-I. And just popping into the DMs and just telling me, hey, if something resonated with you that you heard today, or you want to know more about the Signature Summit system, I actually have a free workbook. There's no opt-in required, um, but it's like a, it's, it's. A, I'll send you the link so you can get it. Like you don't have to put your email in. Just DM me and I'll send it to you. And it's literally the first workbook that we do with clients on the summit planning. It's kind of when you just ask me, make, hey, hey, what can people do to get started? It runs you through what we just talked about. What would you like your summit to do for you? What might be the thing that it sells into? Um, and I'm happy to to give you that, like no opt-in needed. Just DM me on Instagram and I'll send it to you. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm so going to DM you about that as well. <laughs> okay, I love it. I had so much fun working on this. Our mascot for it is that there's Lady Gaga gifts throughout it. I love it. <laughs> it's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Oh, I think you just like, as well as incorporating giving back, you just incorporate fun, like anytime you can. <laughs> Thank you. I know, like right now on the Copy Chat Facebook, I'm like, it's season seven, but can we talk about Taylor Swift? And everybody's like, why are you, like, you're ultra late to the party. I'm like, I know I'm ultra late. But now I want to run through every album, every song and talk to you about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When it comes to Taylor Swift, um, I, I feel like I have to say, I went to a concert last week. It was called Party One-on-One. And mm -hmm. it's basically, um, if like I grew up in the 90s. And so it's basically a DJ a DJing sort of gig okay, um, a DJ rave um but instead of um the music you do the coolest things <laughs> you're uh, a surprise and delight every step of the way it's like quiet rebel 
but this, <laughs> this one can dance her face off. Like this one's going to a DJ rave. You're like, you're a surprise and delight. I love it. And jujitsu. I just got my recent brown white belt. I saw your jujitsu. I'm like, who are you even? Okay, go on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but there was, um, so one of the songs that was being DJed was uh, Taylor's, I believe it's Taylor's first song, Love Story. And it was oh, so yeah. fun. Like everybody um, put the torches on, um, you know, because we obviously we can't have candles in a place like that. But we right. all put our, to- our torches on and our phones and like we were, like, we were all singing the songs together and it just it felt so nostalgic. So when you said that you just became a Swifty three weeks ago, I was like, girl <laughs> I've been there since the beginning <laughs> no I'm totally late I wasn't like a love story like that just never resonated with me and so I was like all right like I have respect but I wasn't into it mm. but then I really listened starting three weeks ago and now I'm like Ooh. and I love like I love the folklore I love ever but evermore I'm just like that's really my bag. I love the Lover album. Actually, what am I talking about? I love them all. I love Midnight. <laughs> I'm like, I'm into it, you know, but in a way I wasn't expecting. And right now I keep playing Bejeweled over and over again from the Midnight's album. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, like, you're really going through them all, aren't you? <laughs> I'm really going through them all for sure, for sure. I've been playing Bejeweled and then I've been playing like, I'm really into like Willow. I love the song Willow. Um, yeah, I'm just like Snow on the Beach. I'm really into right now. I love Lana Del Rey. So I'm re- yeah, I'm really into it right now. All right, so you hear that quiet rebels. If you're also a Swifty, be sure to DM Marisa your favorite song <laughs> from, the, from whichever I album. I tell a lot about a person, like where they, I'm writing about this email that's coming out. <laughs> is like, I feel like you can tell a lot about where somebody is in their life based on what they tell you. They like their latest Taylor Swift obsession, like their song. Is. I feel like I'm like, ooh, why did you pick that one? What's going on? You know? <laughs> Oh, yes, for sure. For sure. Okay, so Marisa, before I let you go, there's actually one question I love asking all of my guests um, towards the end. So let me know if you're up for that for this mystery question. If you if you oh, if yeah. you if you listen to this, um, this podcast before, then you'll know what it is. But yeah, so something that I'd love to ask is, is there a fun fact or a kind of like a mysterious story out there that no one else knows on the internet that we can hear from you right now? About me? Yeah. My God, make it, I'm an open book. What I know you are. And I know it, I found that this question is the hardest for my open book guests. <laughs> like what, what is something that, that you know, the internet doesn't know? Out. What is something <laughs> that the internet doesn't know about? <laughs> what is something that the internet does not know about me? I would say, I would say that something that I mean, I guess I, maybe I've talked about it before, but not as much was, I guess two years ago, I kind of set out. So when I lived in New York, I read all the time, but then when I moved to Atlanta, I stopped because you're just not, you're not commuting like that anymore. Um, And so I set out to be like, could I just like read one book in 2021? I'm like, could I just get through one novel again? And I joined this thing called Book of the Month, and I ended up reading 33 novels in 2021. And in 2022, I read 36. And this year, I'm still on track, even on the All-American Road Trip. Um, I guess that's, well, no, people know that, that I put all my stuff in storage. I've been traveling America all year. I've been talking about that. Um, but even as I've been traveling, I still had Book of the Month. They, sh- I, By the way, I'm not sponsored by them at all. I'm not an affiliate, but I should be based <laughs> on this because I've been really impressed by I've changed my address like every month. Book of the Month, is they haven't missed a place. And so I'm still keeping up with my reading, but like last year I read 30, um, 30, no, 39. I read 39 books last year, 39 novels. I read a couple memoirs. I read like 36 and like three memoirs. Wow. Okay. That is extremely impressive. As someone who put like picks up and puts down books like fairly often and like five at a time, that is, (laughs) that is very impressive. So (laughs) But yes. of the month. Yes. If you wind up being an affiliate between now and when this episode airs, let me know. Happy to put in the affiliate link. In the yeah. Show. I think I have like a link that if you do it, I get like a free book. So I, that would be great yeah. because like all yeah. my money has gone to book of the month. And then I can't do it this year because we're on the all American road trip. But the last two years I've like, t- you know, I've taken pictures and shown in the coffee chat Facebook group, like the stack getting bigger and bigger. And I stacked <laughs> it up in the, in the bedroom so people could see it. Um, and I also think if you want to write great, stories you want to write better you have to read great stories and I think that's like mm. what fiction does and I've been able to read some last year just like oh some of the best books mm. okay well that is a very impressive um reading list that you got there so book of the month 
girl but just to yeah. check that out <laughs> but Marifa it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today thank you so much for being willing to dive deep into your stories and also you know answering the questions that you didn't know were coming because it was a very like organic conversation and I just really appreciate your transparency your intention your integrity and just all that you do in the world so thank you so much for being a dear friend and also our guest today thank you so much Mekia this is really fun thank you Awesome. All right. Lovely. Quiet Rebels. So all of the links that I've mentioned about how to connect with Marisa, find them in the show notes. And I do really hope that you stay in Marisa's world. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool to, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.